listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. We are right in the thick of the college football season now. Uh, first playoff rankings going to be coming out soon, and there's a lot, a lot to talk about, both looking back at what happened last weekend and looking at the week ahead. Um, let's get right into it. Ohio State-Penn State was the game of the weekend. This one looked like it would be a blowout early. Saquon Barkley took the kickoff, opening kickoff back to the house. Penn State jumped out to a huge lead, but uh, J.C. Barrett remembered how to play football. For the first time in what feels like two years, he actually played uh, a decent game, and by decent, I mean probably the best of his career. 33 of 39, 328 yards, four touchdowns, and uh, leading the comeback late in the fourth quarter. So he did everything he needed to. Uh, K.J. Hill on the outside at 12 catches, which is, you know, wild numbers for a college team that's not in the Big 12 who throws 100 times a night. But, yeah, it, it I kept seeing periodic score updates from that game, uh, and it was every time Ohio State scored, Penn State had a quick answer. And, I was, and last I saw, it was 38-27, I think, with like five or six minutes to go. Next thing I know, I'm getting updates that touchdown, touchdown, all of a sudden Ohio State's in the lead. And it just seemed like on a night when Penn State could answer anything Ohio State threw at them, that Ohio State just buckled down deep and, and figured out a way to win at the end. Yeah, and uh, it was a huge win, obviously big enough to get the fans in Columbus to rush the field, which is Ridiculous, not something the they would do lightly. Um yeah, this was this was a an impressive win from a team that we've kind of been saying all season seems to be fairly flawed, and a lot of that stems from quarterback play. Obviously, when you're playing like this against, what I believe coming in with the nation's top scoring defense, um, that's going to do wonders to eliminate a lot of those concerns. As for the defense, I don't know why you're kicking it to Barkley in the opening kickoff, but other than that, yeah. they did a phenomenal job of really uh, shutting him down every time he carried the ball. Um, so that's pretty much what you have to do against Penn State. Obviously, Penn State was still able to be successful, not, not just offensively. Turnovers giving themselves short fields, which is a big part of how they were able to get out to such a big lead in the first place. But, I mean, Ohio State looks the part of a playoff team, certainly. Definitely. And, and if JT Barrett can even come – somewhat close to, to scratching his performance that he had this past week. I think they're going to be good to go throughout because they've got the defense, which we've harped on week in, week out the entire year. They've got a clear, clearly good running tandem back there, and J.K. Dobbins seems to have taken the lead in that role and is carrying the ball well. And then Barrett, obviously, like we said, throwing the ball well and gives himself some space to run as well. And going forward the rest of the way, still have – Michigan State still have Michigan. Um, presumably, if they were to win out a matchup against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, so there's still several pitfalls around along the way. Penn State, obviously, still very much alive. First loss of the season, they're still going to have to face Michigan State. They've already soundly defeated Michigan, um, but. Not as strong footing as they were on a week ago, and they're going to have to win convincingly, I think, 
the rest of the way to work themselves back up into that discussion. Big time. And it starts with Barkley. <clears throat> he got bottled up completely running the ball. 21 carries for 44 yards isn't going to cut it in your biggest game of the year, arguably. So they need to figure out ways to get him more involved. Obviously, getting him in on the kickoff works. Maybe punt returns, whatever he needs to do. But teams should know just not to kick it to him. Um, but, yeah, <clears throat> get him in open space. Let him do his thing because he's absolutely electric every time he touches the ball with some space. Yeah, and as we said last week, Ohio State's the one team that could take that away. Um, right. I guess that's the silver lining if you're Penn State, that you're not going to have to go up against them every single game. Um, most defenses won't be able to limit Barkley so much, but, I mean, there are good defenses out there. If you want to compete with the Clemsons and Alabamas of the world, you're going to have to figure out how to be successful when, you know, Barkley's not having this difficult game. Right. So it's time to talk about your favorite team. Um, sneaking into the play, uh, the rankings at number 25 last week, Iowa State, uh, much to your chagrin, they have now knocked off another top five team, their second of the year, TCU, 14-7. to seven, And now Iowa State is tied for first place in the Big 12. What a world we live in. I mean, there are four teams at the top of the Big 12 at 4-1, and one, but Iowa State being one of them, I think I probably – everyone but Kansas I would have given a shot at being at the, in this spot this year if you had told me it would be like this. Kyle Kemp played well. Montgomery got bottled up a little bit. And, uh, I mean, Kenny Trill just gave this game away. He, he Arguably <clears throat> the worst performance of his career at TCU. 12 of 25 with two picks and negative five yards rushing, including the back-breaking fumble in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, as much as, you know, people want to give Iowa State credit and that I don't want to give Iowa State credit, I think TCU kind of gave this one away more so than Iowa State going out and getting it. And Iowa State's defense dominated. Um, yes. Would have, been, would have been a shutout if not for uh, kick return TV by Turpin. Uh, two red zone turnovers for TCU. Huge. This is kind of the style of football that Iowa State's going to play. Um, not your typical Big 12 spread, score 40, 50 a game. Um, but if you're able to win at a place like Iowa State, Matt Campbell's not going to be employed there much longer. Um, some more notable traditional football power, um, or at least a much better job should come calling in the offseason as long as they don't have just a monumental collapse. But even even having a successful bowl season in Iowa State should be enough to get a bigger job. Um, and TCU wasn't really a team we had circled coming into the season as one of the big playoff contenders, but by their play they kind of worked their way into that discussion. So to knock off TCU, Oklahoma in the same season here at Iowa State, Already a hell of a year. Big time, big time. And and it's kind of tough because TCU now, no room for error, and they've got Texas at home, at Oklahoma, at Texas Tech, and then Cupcake Baylor, who's not really a cupcake because they played pretty well, but they're just – that's just a shell of a team at this point. Yeah, they, they're they not really – they just don't win. Yeah. They've, they've been competitive. They've – uh, against the likes of West Virginia and Oklahoma, but 
yeah, that's it's not the the same caliber of, of Baylor team that we've surprisingly grown accustomed to. Right, exactly. And Iowa State, you know, their gift for playing this well is a road trip to West Virginia and a home game against Oklahoma State in back-to-back weeks. So at this point, i got to think that it it's just a matter of when and not if that they'll falter again because you can't tell me the same team that scored seven points against Texas and lost pretty much gave a game away to Iowa is able to knock off all these teams in a row and make a run towards a Big 12 title game. I just won't believe it. So three of the final four are on the road. They've got West Virginia next week and Oklahoma State the following week. They will lose at least one of these next four. Yeah, and you kind of to think at this point, Big 12 is probably just going to cannibalize itself out of the playoff spot. Um, yeah. I mean, despite their big wins, Iowa State already with two losses. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State both have one loss. They're playing this week, so somebody's going to be eliminated. TCU has one loss. Uh, they still have to play Oklahoma. Presumably um, the Big 12 title game is going to knock somebody out of competition. So, I mean, there's basically three Big 12 teams still alive, and it would be, I don't know, I would be surprised if one of them went the rest of the season without losing. Yeah, I, I think that the Big 12 of all the uh, Power 5, because that's a football term, Power 5 schools, has the toughest road to getting a playoff team. Yeah, and uh, I mean, everyone obviously did their part last week, Oklahoma, one, uh, Oklahoma State, you can transition over to that game. Um, what, defense, hey, what a job. What a job. <laughs> defense played pretty well again, uh, despite giving up 39 points to West Virginia. Ended up winning 50 to 39, but, um, holding a top five offense, West Virginia, to just 347 yards, 62 on the ground. Will Greer threw four picks. So, the defense, Back-to-back weeks contributing, wasn't as able to keep points off the board as they had been against Texas, but still having a huge impact on the game. And kind of as we were saying last week, be pretty improbable to keep Mason Rudolph and company down two weeks in a row. And, you know, they, they roared back to life on offense as well. Definitely. And it was the run game that really helped them out. King ran the ball 36 times for 142 yards. They also had uh, Hill with 12 carries, Justice Hill. So help him out whenever you can. I mean, this is a good running team. They've got some good backs back there that they really should be giving the ball to probably a little more and taking the pressure off of Mason Rudolph, but he's making plays. And like you said, Will Greer with just a terrible game, 20 of 42 with four interceptions, and they had just no complimentary run game to, to help him out giving the defense, or putting that pretty decent defense, I'd say, by especially by Big 12 standards, in just a lot of shitty situations. Yeah. Um, West Virginia seems kind of like a, a hard luck team for most of the season. They're right on, yeah. on, the, on the cusp of being something a little better, but they're just below that, that tier of, of really uh, the top three teams that we were just talking about. Exactly, exactly. So, it's tough for them. They can play spoiler at this point, but, I mean, play for a bowl game. <laughs> That's what you got to look forward to yeah. if you're Dana Holgerson's squad. Uh, Notre Dame, NC State. Um, NC State is now 
eliminated pretty much uh, from playoff contention after a, a very, very good start to the season for Dave Doran. Uh, Notre Dame wins that 35-14. was basically a question of who would control the line of scrimmage when Notre Dame had the ball. The very, very resounding answer of Notre Dame. Broke 300 rushing yards again. Josh Adams, 202 of those. Broke 1,000 yards on the season on his 110th carry, which basically tells you how dominant this run game has been all season long. Um, yeah, so I know we asked, I know we asked this last week, the win over USC, but now back-to-back wins over top 15 teams, first time since 1989. Now how back is Notre Dame? They are unbelievably back. They're Newt Rockney back. It's, it's unbelievable to see what's going on. Uh, Wimbush is really, I think it's, the biggest thing is that Wimbush has accepted his role. He's not trying to, be the quarterback to make the plays every time. He's totally content giving the ball to his just ridiculously good running back, who I think is the best running back in the country right now. Saquon Barkley is the most talented and most explosive, but if you're going, if you, if we've got the ball at the 10 yard line and I've got four tries to stuff it in the end zone, I'm taking Josh Adams 10 times out of 10. I think he's going to be the guy to get me those extra yards every single time where Barkley might need some space. Um, and you know Notre Dame's going to run the ball. That's This is just what they do. They're like the Bears. They, you know they're going to run the ball, and he just finds a way, obviously, behind a good offensive line, but they make it happen. Um, another game with a 50-plus yard run for him. I, I feel like he's done it each and every week. And then Wimbush actually had a good passing night. But the defense continues to be the biggest story. I think the turnaround they've had has been, I can't even put it into words, astronomical maybe. If that makes sense, it's it's just been night and day from the uh, the brutally bad unit we got we had to watch in last year's four and eight season, and now the Irish are knocking on the door of a playoff spot with still a couple big games left, but all seem to be winnable. Yeah, uh, came up big again, pretty much shut down NC State. One of those one of NC State's touchdowns was on a blocked punt. Um, I mean, not even defense's fault on that one. Yep. Brian Finley was working on a streak. He was something like 339 straight passes without a, a pick. Julian Love returns one very nicely, 69 yards to the house. Um, I think he, yeah, he did that against Michigan State as well. So, yep. defense is making plays. The offense is, I mean, they are who they are. There's no, like you're saying, you know exactly what they're going to do. There's no misdirection there. They're just, they're, they're just telling you. They're just telling you what they're going to do, and they're still able to run the ball at will and dominate. And yeah. until That's... until somebody can stop that, then I know they're going to continue to be successful. Right, and I, the the thing that's got a little overlooked that since we haven't mentioned it is the injury to Hines, the running back for NC State, made them super one dimensional and forced Finley to throw thirty seven times. But I mean, other than that. It was just, I'd say, dominance by the Irish. They it's slow start, rocky start with the block punt, but they really settled in. You know, it, that's what happens when you can run the ball, control the line of scrimmage, and the clock. Yeah, and I mean Notre Dame absolutely controls their own destiny in terms of the playoff. Yeah, um, I've still have to play Miami, who's still undefeated after a close call against 
I mean, a very weak North Carolina team. And Stanford is North well. Carolina team. Yeah. Uh, Stanford as well. Um, still a ranked team up to number 18 this week. So still That's challenges remaining on the schedule. Yeah, Navy has been ranked. And then Wake Forest this week, um, who is much better than Wake Forest typically is in football. Um, little little revenge game for Mike Elko. Um, but... Yeah, if Notre Dame wins out there in the playoffs, basically. Exactly. They don't have to worry about a a conference championship or anything like that. Just beat the remaining teams on your schedule. Exactly. And and it seems to be, uh, granted, road trips to Miami and Stanford are not the easiest thing, but with the way this team is rolling, I think NC State's probably the best defensive line they're going to play all year, and they're, I'd say, a top-five unit, so they were able to handle them pretty easily. Yeah, so it'll keep close tabs on that Notre Dame. One of the teams um, probably going to be right there in the mix to be in the initial top four of the playoff rankings when those come out. Um, but as of right now, fifth in the AP poll. So clearly, if they keep winning, they're just going to keep moving on up. As long as Georgia continues to dominate, yeah, that that loss will look better and better. Um, to keep it in the Midwest, Northwestern did football Go things. Cats. Um, 39-31 win over Michigan State in triple overtime. Um, so if you're wondering how Northwestern scored that many points, there were three, three extra frames. But to their credit, they scored touchdowns in every overtime, um, which yeah. is... I mean, it's a peak of, peak of efficiency. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I, I say that Evanston on a Saturday afternoon in October and November is like a black hole for college football because it seems like it's always a 10-3 to 3 game late in the day, no matter who the team is that's in town. And, you know, the Cats either figure out a way to blow it or they'll figure out a way to uh, narrowly escape with the win in this fashion. You know, they screwed every single person who bet the under, which looked like the safest thing in the history of the world until we hit overtime. But the the story here is Thorson really won them this game, and obviously the defense played well. Justin Jackson, 17 carries, just 41 yards. He did have a passing touchdown, but, I mean, he, he's usually the workhorse that's relied upon to get this Northwestern offense going, and instead it was 48 throws from Clayton Thorson that won them the game. Yeah, and and Jackson's a workhorse type back. Normally does most of the heavy lifting for the offense because Thorson has been fairly inconsistent over the course of his career. But he had a very good game against what is a very strong defense, Michigan State. That's always how D'Antonio builds um, defense first, and I mean that's how they've been playing this year. Lewerke gives them. I don't know if I want to say a little more talent quarterback position because they've had a very good run of seemingly the same guy at quarterback for the last 15 or so years. Yeah. Um, but he's he gives them a little more creativity. He's a little more m- mobile than kind of the Michigan State mold of quarterback, um, you know, from, from Stan all the way to present day. Um, and, I mean, he had a huge game, 445 yards, four touchdowns. But, obviously, the, the interception in the end zone uh, that – 
field the loss in third overtime. But in that in that respect, you have to obviously tip your cap to Northwestern for just continuously putting pressure on Michigan State in the overtime by scoring touchdowns. Um, you said that's not really something that we expect from Northwestern on a typical week. Um, sometimes these games against the Spartans get wonky. Um, they played a 54-40 game a couple of years ago. This was in a similar mold. Um, but for Michigan State, good start to the season. The loss to Notre Dame was pretty excusable, but, I mean, now there's just no shot of you making the playoffs. Yeah, they're done. Uh, lewerke has been good. I mean, that was a hell of a game from him. It hurts to not have a running game because L.J. Scott got arrested for, like, the 100,000th time, it seems, and can't stay out of uh, legal troubles, but it's... It seems, like you said, that whenever Northwestern and Michigan State meet up in Evanston, it's just a crazy game. They uh, Michigan State has the biggest comeback in college football history in Evanston. They were down 38-3 and came back and won 41-38, I think. So, I mean, it's it's just crazy when these two teams play what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the good thing. That's uh, yeah. more washable football than... You know, some of the, the Iowa Northwestern thrillers over the years and, I mean, oh, certainly yeah. earlier this season. Um, but yeah, the, uh, we've got two more from last week. If you can't tell, pretty wild week. Just wait until you hear about all the games coming up on Saturday. Uh, right. first, just want to br- briefly mention South Florida 12 game winning streak is over. I'm losing to Houston. So no longer undefeated. They were one yeah. of two group of five schools um, still working on undefeated seasons. Now it's just all down to Central Florida. But, yeah, bad news for Chuck Strong. Yeah, Chuck just can't seem to uh, find a break. He inherited an unbelievably good offense that just hasn't performed this year. The defensive unit was pretty good. They've got a couple solid corners that will probably be decent uh, NFL draft picks next year. But, they just cannot seem, for whatever reason, to find the end zone on offense. And Quinton Flowers has had such an up-and-down year. Um, Valdez-Scantling is consistent, but I, I don't know. It's it's just tough for South Florida to really handle because you look at in-state conference opponent Central Florida, who is definitely not as talented as this South Florida team, and they're just, they keep winning games. So it, it's tough to see, but at the same time, this could be just being burdened with expectation because of how well they played last year. Yeah, and they're still good this year, obviously, um, understatement of the century. But, yeah, yeah, they uh, this was still a very winnable game. Um, I mean, you, you have Houston on the final drive back into a, a fourth and 24, and you give up a 30-yard pass play and then let them march down the field and score. That's usually not ideal. Um, Definitely not. Old, so. <laughs> uh, the, this was, yeah, I I agree with you. I think South Florida's a uh, more talented team than Central Florida. Um, fairly similar, but when South Florida's offense is clicking, I think it's uh, it's not not really that close, but now we just have to, Put all of our hope into Scott Frost's team 
just dropped seventy three burger on Austin P over the weekend. So they didn't cover that's though. Fun. They they did not cover. Forty three and a half was the spread. They won oh. by forty. That's brutal. And it really makes you really makes you think what quality of team they have down there. Good teams win, great teams cover. But Scott Scott's gonna know that. He's gonna get the boys working hard. I'm sure they're they're working today, right now, watching film, getting better. Yeah, um last one we've got some Pac twelve after dark. Rich Rod. As it seems like every time he has a good team at Arizona, just quietly creeping up and this is kind of their coming out party that pushed them over the edge into the rankings. Khalil Tate. He's had a very, very good season to date. Um, went off yeah. again. Uh, dual threat quarterback, 433 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns, just torched Washington State. Ended up winning that 58-37. Um, tough, tough loss for Mike Leach. That's their second of the year. So pretty much eliminates all hope of a playoff appearance, but this is basically all about Arizona and, I mean, how good this team actually is. Yeah, they are an explosive offense, not to the point of the Pat White, Steve Slayton, West Virginia team that Rich Rod had, but this is definitely a poor man's version of it. Khalil Tate's really good, like really good, very underrated, and we should all be giving him way more attention. He was 10 of 17 for 275 yards, so he is not a uh, – He's not – I can't even think of the word. He he knows what a big play is. He can make big plays. And they also have a pretty damn good running back, J.J. Taylor, who ran for over 150 yards. So the complement of those two is just incredible. And at this point, it doesn't matter what your defense does. They just, just get the last stop of the game is essentially how Arizona is playing right now, and that's what they're going to do because they can – control the clock by because of the uh, fact that they've got a quarterback that can complete passes but also run the damn ball like it's his job. And then they've got the defense that, that bends but not doesn't break. So Arizona just adds itself to all the interesting teams you have near the top of the, the Pac-12. Pretty much all of them except Washington are near the, the back of the top 25. Washington really the last – Playoff contender um, out of the the Pac-12, and even they have been pretty much written off, it seems, by just about everybody since in the the first half of their season against Rutgers. Yep. Um, but this is pretty much the the brand that I feel like the Pac-12 has every year, just extremely fun and. There's always going to be a game on at like 10:30 or 11 on Friday or Saturday Love night it. that just becomes ridiculous. Love it. That's what we live for. We had the wildfire game uh, last week, I think, or two weeks ago. We have this uh, Arizona game. Now we'll, we'll get more this week because USC is taking on uh, this Arizona team that we just mentioned, mentioned. So that should be a fun one as well. But a stat we we haven't mentioned is the fact that. Luke Falk got pulled from this game, and then his backup, Holinsky, threw the ball 61 times. Falk threw it 23, he threw it 61 for a grand total of 84 passing attempts for Washington State in this game. You get a fresh arm in there. Hey, got to do what you got to do. Bullpen, <laughs> eat some innings. Clearly, that's, yeah. I don't even know why Mike Leach recruits running backs, honestly. 
I would never go to a Mike Leach school if I was a running back. So, one game that we're not really going to talk about the actual game is uh, Georgia just molly whooping uh, Florida, 42-7 in that rivalry game. Jim McElwain is now out of the job. Not officially fired. It was called mutually agreeing to part ways. So... The old Joe Girardi. Yeah. Uh, seven games into his third season, 22-12 and 12 at Florida, back-to-back SEC East titles in both full years that he actually finished coaching there. Um, but, I mean, this is just kind of the pressure of, of coaching in the SEC and at Florida. The kind of the, the thinking when he was brought in is they're trying to get away from the style of football that had been going on under Muschamp, which is just all defense, really inconsistent quarterback play, but he was never able to really solidify his guy at quarterback. And, I mean, just they've been the same team. This may have been the least exciting quarterback game ever. Not Then that's not a knock against Jake Fromm because I think he's really good. But there was just no quarterback play to really watch. Fromm threw the ball seven times. Malik Zaire came in and threw it six. And Felipe Franks was a whopping seven of 19. So you have nothing, essentially, to look at in terms of uh, quarterback play, especially on Florida's side of the ball. But this was a game that I was talking with a couple coworkers, and I said it could either be a tight game throughout where Georgia will pull it out at the end, or Georgia's just going to kick the absolute shit out of them. And that's exactly what happened. So... The two-headed beast reared its ugly head, and Chubb and Michelle just dominated. I don't even think that's his name. But, yeah, six carries, 137 yards. I watched him break out the 74-yard touchdown run, which was awesome. And that that was pretty much the dagger in the second quarter, I think it was. Yeah, so pretty clear-cut right now. One and two teams. Um, Bama and Georgia, if current trajectory stays consistent, they would be meeting in the SEC title game. Obviously, only one team can win that, so it would really create a dilemma for the college football playoff committee. Kind of have some precedent here. Remember, um, back in late 2007, Michigan-Ohio State, one and two, played a very close game that Ohio State ended up winning by three. Uh, Michigan did not make it to the BCS title game that was given to Florida, who then, I mean, just blew out Ohio State, so that seemed justified, but could be looking at a pretty similar situation here. Um, playoff helps because there are four spots rather than just two, but still pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it all depends on the the happening of the game. I think if Georgia were to beat Alabama in a close game, I don't think there's any way Nick Saban allows a team of his that loses to a playoff team by a few points to not get in, and I don't think there's any way the committee could do so because Alabama has clearly been the best team throughout the season. So it'll be interesting to see because if Georgia falls and then Notre Dame gets in, then people will say, What's the point of teams playing each other if you're going to put one in over the other, even though they beat them? So it's going to be a whole mess, and I thought that's what we got out of the BCS for, but here we are. Well, that's kind of the uh, 
the situation right now with Ohio State and Oklahoma because, I mean, yeah. every projection has Ohio State over Oklahoma, even though they lost that head-to-head. So right. I'm sure that's going to be a, a discussion that has had at least one time. Definitely. So looking ahead to this week, we have seven games that are ranked matchups, which is absurd. That's over half the top 25. It is. Because math. So let's get right started off with it. Uh, Speaking of Bama, they're going to be hosting a resurgent Coach O and LSU Still with Danny Etling at quarterback, but resurgent nonetheless. Um, any shot of winning on the road here for LSU? They do. It's the slimmest of slim chances. It's essentially a blade of grass, which Les Miles would have eaten to get rid of his chance. But if it turns into an ugly game where it's just running, running and punting like a Big Ten game, that's when LSU has a shot. I don't see it happening, though. I think Bama's going to win by... I'll keep it. I'll keep it light because my recent projections of blowouts have just been so incredibly off. So I'll say Bama wins by ten. But yeah, I mean LSU's got a shot if Darius guys can get the ground game going and Danny Etling can be serviceable, which he has been the last three weeks in their past three wins. So that's their hope. They had a bye week to prepare. Best shot you're going to get if you're LSU. And they have the players, but they always do every single year. There's not a. Yep a talent disparity really at all, um, the exception of the quarterback position. Um, but Nick Saban's Nick Saban, Bama's Bama. So you've still had clearly the best team in the country um, this year. And LSU is, is right of the ship more or less. Um, still have Geis as a huge weapon in the backfield, but Bama's got an NFL defense in much the same way that Ohio State was really best suited to slow Barkley out of the backfield. I think Bama is best suited to do the same to Darius Geis. And once you kind of limit that weapon, I'm not putting any trust in Danny Etling to be the guy who beats an Alabama defense. Yeah, absolutely not. There's no way that Danny Etling beats this Alabama team. Uh, so... Down the list we go. We've got number six, Clemson, uh, just kind of hanging around a, a workmanlike 14-point win over Georgia Tech on Saturday. Um, they're going to be traveling to NC State, as you mentioned. Got beat down by uh, Notre Dame. And if Hines is out again, then that could create some serious issues trying to go against this Clemson defense. Yeah, uh, from everything I've read, he should be good to go. They're going to take him light in practice throughout the, the early week and then get him going on Thursday and see how he does. But even with him in, I, I don't see North Carolina State winning this game because I think it's similar to the Notre Dame game where it's going to be NC State's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line to control the game, and I think that's a battle Clemson wins a majority of the time. So... I'm going to take Clemson. I think it'll be a close game. Maybe a field goal wins it, but I just can't can't pick against the better defense. Yeah, I think this one will probably be hitting the under unless, you know, they set it something ridiculously low. Uh, but, I mean, 
for the rest of the season, Clemson's going to be ticked off. I don't think Dabo's going to let them let up at any point. Um, I mean, they certainly wouldn't for this game anyway because still playing the top 20 team. Um, and two state coming off a loss. So they're going to be pissed off as well, hosting this in front of their, their home crowd. So how great of an environment that created during the Louisville game, um, mm-hmm. which was a, a huge win for the program. And I mean, this would obviously be an even bigger one. With all that being said, it's, it's going to be cleansing this one for much the same reasons that Bama is going to beat LSU. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I just I don't have the faith in in Finley and especially a hobbled Hines to to take out this Clemson defense. So we've got Penn State uh, dropped down to seven in the AP poll. Michigan State dropped down to twenty fourth after the Triple OT lost to Northwestern. This one is in East Lansing. Um, Saquon Barkley gets. I mean, not, not much of a break here. It's, it's not the same front as Ohio State, but Michigan State has a strong defense, as we've discussed at length. So yeah, I got to go Penn State, and I think this is a McSorley breakout game because if this game is going to be on him. They they need him to open up Barkley because. I mean, even though they scored 38 points last week, Michigan State can take the tape and say, look, they held him to 44 yards on 21 carries. We can do something similar, and as long as we don't make the mistakes that Ohio State may have made, we can we can be in this game for sure. So I this is probably the only time I'll like Michigan State all year in or any sit- setting that I'd like Michigan State against the Penn State or an Ohio State, but I still don't think they can get it done. i got to go with the uh, – the talent, the more talented team. I think this will definitely be the closest of the three games that we've talked about so far for next week, um, especially since it's in East Lansing. Um, I think either Time this game, too. yeah, either uh, this game or the Ohio State game, either of those games in Happy Valley turns them into very, very different affairs. Yeah, um, but. Sure. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly on the the lower scoring side. I think something like twenty four points would win this game, um, but it's it's gonna be Penn State because the thing with Penn State is if you do happen to take away Barkley, more often than not, McSorley is the guy who can still beat you. Mm-hmm. So um, very early in the season for this game, got uh, Bedlam. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, as we've discussed, both teams tied atop the Big 12, one loss each, um, just one loss each on the season. So this is basically an elimination game for the playoff. Baker Mayfield versus Mason Rudolph, um, two of the best quarterbacks and offenses in the country. This game is in Stillwater. Um, you think the, the Cowboys are going to hold serve? I feel like I've picked against Oklahoma State every single week, and I'm going to do it again here because I'm taking I'm taking uh, Baker Mayfield over that defense. I think I've been a huge fan of Mason Rudolph for so long, and he just hasn't really shown what I wanted him to this year. While Mayfield has gone on the road and beaten Ohio State, um, 
Yeah, he lost at home to Iowa State, who I don't think is a good football team. Sure, let's get that out there now. But give me give me Baker Mayfield in a, a winner go home game. Okay, um, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State, and I think a big part of that is on top of the offense, which is extremely well balanced between the the Rudolph to Washington connection and the the two headed monster in the backfield of King and Hill, and it seems like the the pecking order there changes weekly uh, yeah. as whoever happens to go off. Um, I mean, this is a game that. Defense is probably not going to play the biggest role. Um, you mentioned Oklahoma State's defense has been very much improving at a pretty quick rate. Uh, last two weeks had pretty big impacts on each of those wins, um, but it's this is one of those games where it's just going to come down to whoever has the ball last, and I think Oklahoma State's going to make enough plays to win. Yeah, I got I got to go with Baker. <laughs> I think I give him the ball late in the game, and I think he makes a play. That's that's what it comes down to. All right. Um, we've got Miami still undefeated, looking like the world's biggest fraud. Um, they are going to be playing host to Virginia Tech. This is a game that could, with an impressive win, could absolutely win slash earn in Miami a lot of respect from pundits who are still kind of waiting to see something because their best win of the season, probably Florida State um, or maybe Georgia Tech. It's really nothing really jumps out at you from the schedule. Right. Uh, so this is a, a huge opportunity because I mean, Virginia Tech pretty, pretty much confirmed is a good football team. So mm. is this the game where, where Miami finally breaks out? No, definitely not. This is, uh, I think this is a really good Virginia Tech defense. And all year I've been very high on just Josh Jackson. So give me him all day in Miami. I don't think this team is for real. Yes, I kind of like the gold chain that they give out for takeaways on defense, but that's pretty much the only thing I like about this team. They went down to the wire against a 2-5 and five Florida State team and uh, needed an unbelievable catch to win that game. They struggled with a 35-man North Carolina team. They just really haven't been impressive in any game this season. Uh, yeah, I gotta go. Gotta go with Virginia Tech. This kind of leads me into a quick question of who is the least impress or less impressive of the two undefeated teams, Wisconsin or Miami? Miami. Yeah, I think it's gotta be. But Wisconsin's also up there in. You know, unimpressive 8-0. They are, I think, the better of the two teams by a considerable margin, but they just haven't been impressive, and part of that's just the problem of being in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and I think the big difference there for me is Wisconsin has been dominating the teams that they're supposed to dominate, and Miami has been going down to the wire every single week. Sands the Illinois game, yes. Wisconsin has been dominating. But I mean, I mean it was, yeah, it was and then a dominating was, game. Yeah, yeah. There was that wasn't uh, the widest margin of victory. Um, I mean, and that, that's even before the the garbage time Illinois touchdown. But yeah, there was never really the sense of you know Illinois is just a play away from taking this game or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. 
But, yeah, just to go back to that and confirm, I'm taking Virginia Tech by double digits. I'm taking Virginia Tech as well. Um, yeah, pretty much you covered it. Josh Jackson is very, very underrated nationally, and, I mean, his career is just getting started. So he's going to be somebody who's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next couple of years. Justin Fuente has come in uh, a great year last year and year two. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech's back to exactly the, the type of program they were under the, the peak years of Beamer Ball. So, and this is going to be an opportunity for a top 10 win, even though it might not be an actual one of the 10 best teams in the country, but I think this is the game that Virginia Tech's going to take. Um, now it is time for some uh, Pac-12 after dark action. Uh, first up, let's start with uh, the old Rich Rod. Going into USC's 23rd ranked Arizona Wildcats, number 17, USC. What are you liking here? The opening line is at USC by eight. It's moved its way up to nine. I am against the public every single time, but I love, I think that Arizona is actually the better of the two teams. I think, I just think they've gotten more consistent performances from their big players and I just don't trust Sam Darnold in these games. For whatever reason, I feel like he can't make the plays. Ronald Jones seems to disappear from time to time. The defense is very susceptible to big plays, which is how Arizona makes their money. So I'm going with the Wildcats, saving Rich Rod's job right here. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Arizona here as well. Um, if you keep waiting and we're going to – basically keep waiting all season for USC to, to finally put it together and be the team that everybody thought they were going to be before the season started. But I think by this point, it's pretty clear that's not going to be the case. And I mean, nobody has figured out how to stop or even slow down Khalil Tate. And we saw how much USC's run different run defense can struggle the way that uh, Notre Dame ran all over them. Yep. Uh, Tate's more talented than Brandon Wimbush, so I think this is going to be a game that Arizona is able to win. And finally, Stanford at Washington State. Uh, Stanford barely squeaking by Oregon State last week. See just how important Bryce Love is to that offense. Um, I mean, both these teams are going to be looking for a bounce-back performance, even though Stanford did end up beating Oregon State by a single point. Who are you expecting to do that here? I've stuck with them all year, and I can't pick against them now, so I'm going Washington State. It doesn't matter who they have at quarterback, and it was proved last game. They're going to throw the ball a ton, and that they want to put the game into a high-scoring range. That's where Stanford doesn't seem to really be able to hang. And I think Washington State does have a good defense, despite just getting torched last week. It's got to be a bounce-back game for them. And if uh, Mike Leach can get the boys motivated on the defensive side of the ball, I think they'll be all right. But I just don't – not all in on Keller Christ and that Stanford offense. I, I think Washington State's got a good enough defense to compete, and that offense is going to be ready to go. So, I've uh, kind of had a roller coaster ride with Stanford um, this year. 
I was very, very high on them around week two or three. Um, that did not turn out so well against USC, but now they're, they're kind of making their way back up. I think Brett Love is the best running back in the country. I'm not entirely sure right now if he's going to play in this game. As I mentioned, um, missed the Oregon State game, ankle injury. They only rolled out about 220 yards of offense without him. So he's pretty much their offense unless Keller Chris just randomly plays out of his mind. Um, and I think honestly that's one of the biggest things that helps his Heisman argument and candidacy play that game from last week. This is just how pitiful the offense looks out me. Um, and everything that he's been able to accomplish this year. Um, so I guess I can't really make a pick on this until I know, but if he plays and is above like 70 or 80%, I'm expecting Stanford to win this game. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going, even if he plays, I'm taking Washington State. That's, that's the confidence I have in the Cougs right now. I mean, that's, that's really the challenge because if he doesn't play, I don't think Stanford's going to be able to muster enough offense just to keep up. As good as Stanford's defense is, Washington State's just going to wear you down over the course of the game. It's, it's kind of weird because they're the reverse from what you think of normally in wearing teams down. You think of physical running game, just tiring defenses out. Washington State's just going to throw the ball all over the field about, we saw last week, 84 times. And, you know, their defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain there, um, which is why they ended up losing. Still put up 37 points. I would expect a similar performance against Stanford would be good enough for a win, unless Bryce Love is playing. So I'm just going to hedge that pick in there. Um, by the time the picks come out on the blog this week, hopefully we should I have a better that. idea of the status. Yeah, definitely. So if not, that's my excuse. Always, always um, need our little uh, cop out in case we need it. I do, I do. Um, okay, so kind of building up to this season ended today. Who is your top four? Uh, Bama's obviously number one. Georgia would be number two. Those are, I think, the two clear-cut top two teams in the country. This is given they haven't played yet, obviously. Number three, I think I've got to go with Ohio State. And number four, I'd put Notre Dame over Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, the, the Bama-Georgia clear-cut one and two for me. Um, right now, between the final three of Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. The slot in Wisconsin at three for now, and then uh, throw Notre Dame in there. Right now, um, I, I usually hate this argument, honestly, but right now the, the biggest difference maker for me is the the quote-unquote quality loss. Not that Ohio State's loss wasn't to a quality team, but the same reason and rationale that I was so and you were so high on Auburn earlier in the season as they're the only team that was able to be somewhat uh, competitive with Clemson when Clemson was just beating, you know, that that crazy September slate that they had, um, and then they go and lose to Syracuse. But 
Notre Dame at one point lost to Georgia was definitely a source of frustration at the time because it looked like pretty much every loss, every close loss they had last year in that disaster of a season. But, I mean, Georgia is just ruining teams, getting coaches fired, if not officially. Um, but and Notre Dame was able to keep it within a point, and Notre Dame looks like they've just been improving since that week after week. And Josh Adams is a certifiable stud and Heisman candidate. And, I mean, if the season ended today, Notre Dame's the playoff team. And I think we established if they just take care of business and finish the season 11-1, and one, they most likely will be. Yeah, and I'd love, I'd really love to see a rematch of Notre Dame-Georgia. I think both teams have made big strides throughout the year, so it would be a lot of fun because Jake Fromm was making his first career start in South Bend in that game. People forget that, and he did play a good game. And I mean, I think Notre Dame's a lot better than they were then. I also think Georgia's a lot better than they were then. So it would be a hell of a game to see him replay, but we're probably not going to get it. Oh, not with that attitude. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of football remaining to be played. Um, you know, no team has played more than eight games, so everybody's got at least four regular season games remaining, then conference championships, and then there'll be bowl season. We also have college basketball getting started in a couple oh, weeks. Um, Indiana started off the exhibition schedule last night, 31-point win over Marion. Um one interesting note so far from exhibition season, uh, Michigan State, pretty much consensus, uh, top two team in the country, I'd say. Um, I know a lot of people want to throw Arizona up there, too. Struggling mightily with noted power, Ferris State. Um, got any way too early October overreactions about that? Not too many about that. I think it's the... Miles Bridges hasn't played enough yet. He needs to just get back into the rhythm of things. Um, there have been some major overreactions to USC losing by 22 to San Diego State in their scrimmage. Um, a lot of people are talking, like, how is this a top 15 team? So that'll be interesting yeah. to see because I think USC is going to be really good this year. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of fun to see the massive overreactions to all these games. Yes, feed me all of those takes. Uh, exactly. But, yeah, I, I, for Michigan State, we'll, we'll get more into to basketball in the coming weeks, but I think outside of Bridges, that entire class of uh, rising sophomores was so highly touted last year. A lot of injuries. Really only Nick Ward was able to have a good season besides Bridges, but all those guys yeah. will be huge in addition to the guys they have coming in, that is more stud freshmen for, for Tom at Yeah, and I, I think it'll be interesting because I, I, I do think they're one of the top two teams in the country preseason, and they should be there for a vast majority of the year because I just think they've got the talent. But you never know. Some of these teams do just struggle like that where they can't seem to put it together. But as long, at, at this point, it's all that matters is you get into March and then anything can happen there. Yeah, and I will be, uh, that is, is the project I'm working on is, uh, working on those college basketball preseason rankings. So we're going to switch over our college football coverage on the blog, uh, just to looking at playoff projections and picks. Um, so if you don't already, make sure you're heading over to letmebefrankblog.com. 
uh, B. Frank's back on a hot streak with his NFL picks today. Um, so Anyways. If, you're, if you're paying attention, you made some money, which is always a good thing. Um, got a lot going on there. Um, so make sure in addition to listening, you're checking us out on the blog as well. Any last words? Seeing all BPC by double digits in their scrimmage. So we're back. All right. First one of the year. Yeah.